On this week's show, Detroit Lions fans rejoice. You have a brand new owner, which is exactly what you were asking for. Uh, but there's a catch. And the Rams and Chargers will both be featured on this season's HBO's Hard Knocks. In our two-minute history lesson, we tell the story of the college football rivalry with the most games played, and it's not the one you think it is. Uh, it's Michigan-Ohio State, I'm pretty sure. It's not the one you think it is. That and much more this week in the world of football. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 150, if you can believe it, for June 23rd, 2020. I'm your host, Randy Snow, and across the table from me, as always, is my son, Adam. So much happened in the last couple of days, I can't believe it. Gosh, the last few hours, actually. Well, I mean, we got uh, a new Batman, (laughs) who's actually going to be an old Batman, and I can't stop thinking about it. Why, what are you talking about? Uh, I'm talking about football stuff. Oh. And we'll get to all that in just a minute here. All right. Uh, we come to you each week from the World of Football Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, and that's Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. From the NFL to the CFL, college, high school, and indoor football, we inform and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So let's review what happened this past week, and we're going to start in the NFL with some shocking news that came down just within the last couple hours. Well, I guess not even a couple hours. You know, kind of since uh, noon or well, 1 o'clock. Well, a couple hours, from, uh, a couple uh, hours ago. Just, it's crazy. Like I, this news kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I didn't see it coming. The you see, it's weird. So like, I get the ESPN updates on my phone, and mm-hmm. I also get NFL updates, and I get Detroit Lions updates, and to have all three pop up at the same time saying, <laughs> "Martha Ford isn't your owner anymore." Yeah. I about had a heart attack. Yeah, you you sent me a, a message uh, over the internet, and uh, and I didn't even know what you were talking about. Well, it's because you don't and, answer your cell phone. Otherwise, yeah. it would have been a normal text that normal people would send to one another. But instead, so, I had to Facebook message him because yeah. the odds are he'll be on his computer on Facebook more than having his cell phone so at the, the ready minute, like a normal person. So the minute you told me that something was up, I immediately went to Twitter. And that's the very first thing that popped up. Um, and that would be... And I told you something was going to happen. Like you, so every week now, you you kind of pre-prepare the, the image for the show with mm-hmm. a lot of the top you know pictures from the topics sure. we're going to discuss. And I said... Don't go counting your chickens just yet. It's only... When did you do this? Yesterday? I was like, it's only Monday. A lot can happen. I tried to put the pictures together a day ahead of time. A lot can happen in 24 hours until we record again. And what happened? All right. Well, here's the the top story. Martha Firestone Ford, at the age of 94, who took over as the principal owner of the Detroit Lions in 2014, following the death of her husband, William Clay Ford, is stepping down. Her daughter, Sheila Ford Hamp, who is 69 years old, will be the new principal owner of the team. I I did not see this coming, but... I did not. I, I don't either. blame Martha. I mean, she's 94 years old, and she's done a decent job the last few years. I think you can't blame her. In, in no. her. At least in her tenure, she is... I can't say, you know, there's been no incompetence. I think, you know, running an NFL team is hard. Sure. And when you're a Ford and you also have the 
Ford Motor Company to worry right. about. I mean, it stinks that you know you'd think the Lions are second fiddle to that business, but I think she still showed a level of care and mm-hmm. passion for the team. She yep. essentially got a lot of renovations done to Ford Field, which were incredible, mm-hmm. and I believe it came out of her pocket. So right there, it shows that she cared about you know the the organization, the fans, and. As, as much as people are like, Martha sold the team, it's like, guys, they're never going to sell the team. Right, it's a poor yeah. family thing from yep. now on yep. uh, unless somebody un- unloads a big dump truck of cash to the Fords. Yeah. But, no, she uh, – I got – I don't know if you have them all written down, but I got statements from uh, Martha Firestone Ford, just a little blurb they put on the Lions Twitter account. Uh, it has been a great honor for our family to be associated with the Lions and with the National Football League. I am gratified that this family tradition, which my husband and I began about six decades ago, will continue under Sheila's guiding hand. It is clear to me that Sheila will provide superb leadership and is fully committed to competitive excellence and community involvement. That is Martha Firestone Ford, uh, one of the statements she made. And I don't know if we already said it, but the team is now going down. It is getting passed down to her daughter, uh, Sheila Ford. Sheila Ford Hamp. Hamp. Yeah, yep. I keep saying Hamp. It's Hamp. <laughs> From what I understand, uh, Sheila has been uh, being groomed for this job probably for the last six years to take over for Martha. And uh, like I said, I thought Martha Ford did a fine job. I think she made some of the tough decisions that maybe her husband wouldn't have when he was admitted, alive. Admitted her shortcomings, too, in yep. hiring yep. outside help or asking the NFL, hey, yep. I know we she need to knew. hire a general manager. Help me out. Where do I need to begin to right. even start this search? And that's right. how we ended up with Bob Quinn. Uh, your personal opinions and feelings on how he has done with the team, you know, set that aside. But I, I like at least that she came out and had that uh, the gall to at least admit, like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing to run a football team. So, right. you know, I think that's step one. It's like, hey, look, I respect that. You can at least admit it and you're not just being a hard, like, well, I'm just going to hire whoever I feel like, or right. you know. So right, no, she she made some tough decisions. She let some people go uh, early on when when she first took over, and uh, you know, I I have no problem with her as the team owner, but I also understand she is 94 years old. I I have no <laughs> no qualms with her saying, you know what, I, I'm I'm getting a little too old for this, and, yeah. and it's time for somebody younger to take over. That's not a problem, and so no. you know, it's staying in the Ford family. So. And I know a lot of Lions fans, and with us being Lions fans, mm-hmm. it's tough already being because I think a lot of us at some point or another has blamed the Ford family for why the Lions will never win a, a Super Bowl. But it just, I don't know, it's hard to say. And they were talking about it on the local sports stations. And, you know, each of the, you know, William Clay was his own person. Martha Ford is her own person. And Sheila will be her own person. Will they run the team similarly? Maybe. I mean, Martha ran it slightly different. We could kind of start seeing shades of the direction she was trying to take the organization, which seemed, in the six years at least, vastly different than the at least two decades I was a fan under William Clay Ford's ownership. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for you. You've been a fan longer than, than I have. I've never really blamed the Fords. Uh, I mean, the, the Fords uh, basically... My only problem with William Clay Ford was the fact that he was too loyal to his coaches, and it was obvious for a while that certain coaches weren't working out, but he would stick with them. So you got a few extra years of no productivity, whereas if he had gotten rid of a coach a few years earlier, maybe we would have gotten somebody different, uh, maybe done better. 
but I mean yeah. that was that was his his fault was that he was too nice to everybody that worked yeah. for him and wouldn't make the hard decisions. And this is a the statement uh, from the Lions uh, via Sheila Ford Ham. Ham. I keep man, I'm, it's going to take me a Sheila while to Ford get Ham. used to to the new uh, Miss Ford. <laughs> Uh, my mother has inspired all of us since taking on leadership of the Lions over six years ago. She has been a tireless leader to our family, our team, and our community. Her smart decisions have given me a solid foundation to take the team forward. On behalf of the family and the team, I want to thank her for her countless contributions. I look forward to leading the Lions to excellence on and off the field. And again, that is Sheila Ford Hamp. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what kind of an owner is she going to be. Is she going to be very hands-on? Uh, you know, is she going to be just just the way her you know her mo- mother ran things? I think she's already said uh, that at the press conference they were doing this afternoon that she she plans at least or says at least uh, that she wants to be a little more media available hmm. than her mom and dad had been over the years. So who knows? I mean, we were, we only get one or two press conferences from our general manager a year, so. Yeah. Maybe that just means we're going to get one press conference from our owner a year. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, then we got a statement by Roger Goodell. He, oh, he released I have not a, seen that. Go ahead and read uh, that. Uh, yeah, sorry. I saved all these earlier when this all kind of <laughs> okay. went down. Um, Martha Ford has led the Lions with skill and grace for the past six seasons. I have appreciated her business insights, her love of the game, her deep commitment to the NFL, and her personal kindness. We are pleased that the Ford family will continue to own and operate this historic franchise. Sheila Hamp has become increasingly involved in team and league affairs over the past several years, and we look forward to working with her and the rest of the club's executive team. Now it's Roger Goodell. Okay. So it sounds like she's already got some clout in the league. Uh, well, I think, like they said, she's been with her mother you yeah. know, on a lot of these things, sitting in on meetings and stuff, so she's she knows what's going on. You know, yeah. She's got a pretty good start there. And, and like we've said, while I do think that ownership is important, and the type of owner you have is important to your team success. And I don't want to make a trickle-down effect joke, but uh, I think it does start from the top. And the, the Lions, you know, are historically uh, still figuring out their stuff. Hmm. So we'll see if, you know, if Sheila's Sheila's the one or not. Yeah. Um, you can't give her a lot of blame, but she will not be totally blameless either in uh, the coming years. And... The big thing on a lot of people's minds now is Martha was noted as putting out that big uh, demand at the end of last season. Like, hey, oh, yeah. next year, uh, yeah. it's playoffs or bust, essentially. Right, for Matt and, Patricia. Uh, I didn't realize it, but I guess Sheila's name was also on that letter. So, mm. And from what I have understand through some other stuff I've read over the day, that's still the case. That uh, re- what is it, referendum, you want to call it? Yeah. Uh, that That is still in place. The ownership of Sheila uh, Hamp is still... Call her Sheila Ford. Sheila. I just call, <laughs> call her Big Sheila. Uh, and Sheila, I trust. But no, she's still holding on to that. Uh, we got to make the playoffs. Otherwise, the right. GM's out, head right. coach is out, and we're starting fresh. Right. So we'll see. Um, I think that would be a sign in the right direction. If, if if the Lions were like to go 8-8 eight and eight and squeak into the playoffs, I still think that's not good enough unless they win mm. a playoff game. And I would hope that she has the gall to be like, you know what? That's still not good enough, guys. You're gone. We're bringing in new people. 
Well, I wonder if maybe that had something to do with Martha deciding to step aside now, that maybe in a year she didn't want to have to go through the whole process of coming up with a new GM, coming up with a new head coach, you know. I'm sure uh, there's a lot of factors into it. I think I think because she, Martha was into our last head coach, Jim Caldwell. She yes, loved Jim she Caldwell. Liked him. They were, you know, she got along with him, and I think it was tough for her to fire him, and that's just the nature of this business. I mean, right. You got to fire your friends sometimes, and sometimes you shouldn't be hiring your friends. Not that they were friends to start, but I think they had that relationship right. build up over his time in Detroit. But I think that's what you got to do. Maybe that is a factor that Martha sees this crossroads. And it's like, hey, look, even if they make the playoffs and they meet our referendum, like I still don't want to be, you know. Right. I don't know. It could it could go either way. Maybe she thinks that it's not going to happen, so she doesn't want to have to make that call again. Right. Or it's maybe it was just time. And she knew, like, I'm 94 years old. Mm-hmm. How can I keep operating on a day-to-day basis as this team owner to, to, to the level that is required for this team? So right. I'm hoping right. she did that also out of respect to the organization and her fans, you know, not her fans, but the Lions fans, to be like, hey, look, you deserve somebody who's going to put complete attention to this. Right. So we'll see. I'm Right now I am. I was pro-Martha when she came along, and mm. I'm pro-Sheila. And I'm, I was pro-Martha when she left, too. So I guess Martha gets gets a thumbs up from me. So Sheila, you got the the thumbs up for right now. And we've talked 13 minutes exclusively about our Detroit Lions. <laughs> well, yeah, of course we're Lions fans. So yeah, this is this is big I mean, news for us. That's still a big news in the NFL. I feel like for the the week. I know we got uh, the second biggest story we're saving towards the end, but still, uh, this was a big one. And it just popped up today. It was kind of yeah. out of the blue. That's why yeah. we got to lead with it. But I you know I've heard nothing about any help out of the Honolulu blue. I should have said it like that. Ah. Uh. Yeah, um, but we've there's been no rumors about any health problems with Martha Ford, so no. I don't I don't think it's a health thing. But hey, if again, I was 94 years 90s. old, wouldn't I'd want like even yeah. if I own the Lions, I'd be like I'd like to get some time, you know, because I know I ain't got much left. I want to go spend some time in Florida during the season, you know, and go visit some friends and this. Well, and that. maybe not right now, but whatever. But yeah, so that that was some big news that really came out of nowhere today. Yeah. But uh, uh, we're behind it, and so we'll we'll give. Uh, Sheila Ford Hamp. Uh, In Sheila, we trust. And uh, hopefully, we'll we'll get to the playoffs here pretty soon and oh, and do even better. I'm saying that every year for <laughs> the whole duration of my life. All right, uh, the next story: Lamar Jackson is going to be on the cover of Madden NFL 21. That game is supposed to be released August 28th. Are you worried about the Madden curse? You know, this is a very interesting thing because, like, we've talked about it. I think di- diving into this quote-unquote Madden curse would be interesting because it is weird sometimes some of these coincidences that happen after right. guys been on, on the cover but at the same time it's some stuff if you think about it you're like oh well, that makes sense why that happened because like for a while there was a string of running backs who was put who were put on the cover and uh something happened to them but it's like well they were aged running backs so like they kind of hit their peak they get their madden glory and then the wheels fall off that's just the running back in the nfl you know like that's why they don't last that long. So, but I think the first was Barry Sanders. I don't have the, all of them in front of me. Barry Sanders, yep, he was the, the first athlete on uh, cover of Madden, hmm. and then he retired <laughs> abruptly. Uh, well, that wasn't really a curse. I mean, it was a curse for the fans. Exactly. But not not for him. He not didn't for get him. Injured but then you know, there's other ones out there. Like I think it was Ray Lewis got on there, and sure, he won a Super Bowl at one point, but he broke his leg, I think, for one season, and. Uh, but then, like, Calvin Johnson was on there, and then that year he 
uh, broke the receiving record or was about right. to break the receiving record. There's been a few that have had some really good seasons, but the majority. Antonio Brown is still being cursed by the <laughs> by the Madden yeah, curse. It's following him everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it seems like there's more people that have had um, bad things happen by being on the cover than there just, than there have you know good things been happening. It could them. be the, you know it's a crapshoot. It's just <laughs> it, it, I don't really believe in the curse. I do think it's funny some of the coincidences that happen. Hey, look yeah. at Patrick Mahomes. That guy got lucky. He was on the cover last year. Yeah. And what did he do? He won an MVP in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, no, he didn't win MVP this year, but he won MVP the year before. Right. Yeah. Now he's a Super Bowl champion. So it's I don't know. Maybe the curse is starting to turn around. But Maybe. hey. I still think, regardless, you know, especially for younger athletes, so it's weird how it's fluctuated sometimes where it used to be these old veterans that were staples of the game. You know, I think it was like Eddie George and Sean Alexander, you know, big running backs at the time, and then they kind of faded into not obscurity, but they eventually fell out of the league. They were at the end of their careers. But now you're getting some of these young stars that are going to be, I think, at the forefront of the league for decades to come Mm. if, you know, how – God willing, health holds up, and Lamar's the next guy in line. And Lamar yeah. was electric last year. Yeah, well, second year in a row that the league MVP is is on the cover of Madden, which I guess is now going to be a prerequisite for getting on the probably. But it's, it's weird sometimes they've they've done different methods of picking athletes to get on the cover, and you know I don't think I'm shocked that Lamar got put on it. I think it's good for him. And when you're this young and you've you know. Soak it up all you can. I mean, careers don't last forever, and you never know. He could break his leg, right? You know, on or off the field, regardless. Any of us could. Sure. Any of us could get hurt. So you got to just make the most of it while you can. So to say you were a Madden cover athlete is one of those weird achievements. I think in in football that I think a lot of players would say, "I want to be on the cover of Madden." Mm-hmm. Like who? Like think of some of the other guys we've had. We've had Odell Beckham Jr. on there. We've had, uh, like we said, Calvin Johnson. Brett Favre got on it at one point, whatever. Um, <laughs> you've had, I think, Randy Moss was on it. Michael Vick was on it at one point. And I'm trying to think of some of the more recent ones because I honestly haven't bought it as often. The last one I bought was the one Antonio Brown was on. Mm. So I think that was 18 or 19. It's been a while. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, but, play, but, I don't but, play Madden, so I I know you don't, don't but know. like it, it's kind of the same game, so that's why I'm like trying to get in the habit of not buying it every year. So this might be the year I buy it. Uh, just to catch up with it. Hmm. Okay. Well, moving on to another story. 32 renovation workers at the Louisiana Superdome have tested positive for COVID-19. You know, they got this big renovation going on down there at the Superdome, and, and now uh, I don't know how many workers they have, but 32 have tested positive for the coronavirus. I mean, Louisiana is one of those hot spots, along with Florida, and, yeah. and I think Arizona is another one right Arizona, now. Arizona all of a sudden skyrocketed. At one point, they were like had nothing, and all right. of a sudden they skyrocketed. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so it's just it's just weird that that many workers at that stadium uh, are testing positive for it. Just goes to show you, and I can't stress it enough: wear your mask, guys. It's yeah. it's that simple. Wash your hands. Wear your, wear mask, your mask. Wear your hands. Stay wear gloves if you need to. And I know construction, it's hard. Like, I work sure. in, where I work, it's really hard to not be spread apart sometimes. Sometimes you're going to be right on top of somebody. It's just kind of what happens as long as you got your protective stuff. And I try to always kind of keep my head away from people, like, even if I have to be within close proximity. It's it's tough. And, unfortunately, I think if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. 
Well, but you, I mean, but I mean, but you got to do what you can. You got to do what you can to yeah help prevent it. I think when you're on the job, even like with with your job, they kind of have have a lot of people separated. And I know a lot of workplaces have done that. They put up screens between people while they're working. Uh, But, you know, but then comes break time. So, you know, maybe these construction workers are all sitting around together with their masks off, eating lunch or whatever. It is is That's where they're interacting with each other quite a bit. It is weird, though, uh, watching. So, like, I've been very diligent with wearing my mask. So even when I, you know, when people usually don't get the masks on until they enter the building, which I think is weird because you could be walking up to the building next to two or three people. And it's very evident when we're leaving like all day you've, you've gone eight hours wearing your masks all day around people being told to socially distant. Then the moment you exit the building to clock out, everybody's all huddled up talking. They're throwing their masks in the garbage can. It's just like, hmm. well then what was the whole point of the eight hours? Like if yeah. you're just going to just do it right off the bat, I don't know. People can do, well, I, I shouldn't say you can do whatever you want because kind of right now it's the best to wear the mask for everybody. Just be a good person and, no, look out for other people. That's the thing yeah. that gets me. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, with this construction job, who knows uh, how how close they all have to work together. Yeah. I'm just, that that's got to be really hard to keep six foot distance. When hey, we need two people to lift this right. uh, pulley thing up. I don't know. I don't do construction, but yeah, it depends on what it depends on what, the job. What they're, yeah, what what they have. To like be my doing buddy's at that a sandblaster, and he says that their job at least they don't really have to get up in each other's gr- like they can literally be 20 feet apart and be sure. fine like, sure. I, I don't know if they have to wear masks or not but they at least have like 20 feet between them at all times mm-hmm. so depending on the, the the job i suppose you could get away with it but maybe with the stadium and if it's inside the stadium that might be a little harder to, right because people might be touching stuff or breathing on stuff Yeah, if you're welding something on and, the inside yeah i mean i mean like with a restaurant or something like that a barbershop you go in you you get your hair cut they're cleaning that chair before the next person yeah. comes in sit down they're not cleaning nothing on a construction site you know if you're if you're working on a uh, an office or something i doubt they're cleaning things out before the right. next uh, shift or the next day people come in or whatever i don't know i don't know it's it's sad to think that the 32 32 people have actually if, gotten sick working on that if thing, anything but. it just shows either you know their protocols aren't up to snuff or these workers were careless and i hate saying that because i i would like to assume and i try yeah, we think, don't know if all of them were wearing their masks yeah. or, or what they were doing but hard to say but still i mean i could get why you brought it up because it is the the superdome and it's right. a football related story right um ohio governor mike dewine said it's highly unlikely that crowds of twenty thousand or more would be allowed for the pro football hall of fame game and induction ceremonies in august so already he's kind of putting the kibosh on having a big uh, get together there. I, so I don't know what that what that means for the whole weekend. I know. think it's. I can see maybe I, playing I, the game with I the want, fans in the stands, but I want the NFL to just come out and say, "Look, we understand what we're going through right now, and as much as we would love fans, I think they just have to bite the bullet. I think they just have to make that the hard declaration that no fans this year." For the good of everybody. Like, we're already testing our players. We're going to make sure our players are safe and they go through their protocols. The last thing that the league needs is to get people sick. Like, I don't know what kind of legality issues. Because, like, players got to sign waivers and stuff to prevent them from suing the league about maybe their COVID, you know, testing process. Right. So, if you're, you're a fan and you go into the stadium, what if a stadium worker gives you... COVID nineteen, can you sue? Can you sue the team? Yeah. Can I sue the Lions for a, a, a beer vendor giving I, me a beer? I can't beer? see them make fans sign a waiver to but go in. There. Exactly. So that, that's what I'm saying. I think they need to protect themselves and 
their players and the fans by just saying, hey, guys, look, we're going to maybe like they, this would be a great opportunity for them to expand on and ever like and this is weird. I didn't think about this till just now, but like their own not a streaming service per se, but the NFL services they already provide, maybe giving more access or knocking down the price so more fans can get access to a lot of this, uh, like the the Game Pass mm. or other stuff that would be cool for, for fans, like other than watching the game on Fox or CBS or whatever, like add a little extra in there. Maybe not a locker room cam because I don't want to see that, but maybe just some more access. Well, funny you should mention that because another story I've got, it's a few items down, but I'm going to jump this one up. Oh. Uh, the NFL Network has been removed from Dish Network. Oh, yeah, you were, that was as you were of last Thursday night, uh, the 18th of June at 9 p.m. And, yeah, that's the satellite system I have is Dish Network. And mm-hmm. uh, now all of a sudden, just before the season, they've decided to pull their uh, This happens every Dish three Network. to four years. Yeah, a lot so... of TV stations or movie channels, you know, they want more money, so they, they try to hold these satellite services or cable services hostage and try to get more money out of them. And that's, unfortunately, that's what's going on with the uh, NFL right now. And here you're talking about having some of these streaming services uh, reduce their price or give it free to people, and the NFL Network is wanting more money probably because they're not going to have fans think, in the stadium could you imagine like say if the nfl had an, a, a netflix style app you pay say 20 bucks a month for nfl like and i know that's weird because it's live sports that you only get once a week but there could be so much other content with your team especially if you follow a particular team or if you want to see other teams like oh this week we're playing the panthers so i want to see as much panther stuff so i get caught up on the team we're playing like I think the NFL could make a killing that way, especially with no fans. So I won't say it's double dipping, but you're already going to have them watching the games on the local networks on Sundays or Monday night, whatever, or Thursdays. But then during the week, instead of having somebody plop down on Netflix, and here's a billion-dollar idea, NFL, call me. <laughs> Email address is at the info at theworldoffootball.com. Adam is the name. Uh, but no, like if there was an NFL style Netflix app where you could click on it, you get all this content, you get maybe a bunch of backlogs of the games you've missed or highlight packages, classic NFL games or games your team was it. And That's what the game pass is supposed to be. That is what game pass is, but I'm saying that they, they can tweak it and make that a little more, cause I can't, I don't know if I can find game pass on like on a Roku or a fire stick or what have you like get that out there before the season. You know, like I said, twenty bucks a month, maybe. Would you pay twenty bucks a month for that kind of NFL access and no, not have your dish network? Not me. I'm just, I'm just cheap that way. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of NFL hardcore fans would do that, and maybe they could tear the package. I don't know. I'm spitballing here <laughs> again. Hey Roger, call me or email me. But I think there's there's a plethora of options they could do. Back to the point of you don't need fans in the stands this year. I think that the whole point. I won't say the point, but we've learned so far in 2020, this weird year of years, that experimentation and trying out different stuff, innovations, has been a success. Yeah, It's got its hiccups. Look at the draft. We all were kind of like, how's a virtual draft going to work? And to be honest with you, I liked a lot of the access we got. Um, I don't know if I could have watched all three days straight of it, but... At least yeah, watching I, that first night, it was I cool. I watched quite a bit of those. Whole I know you days. did, but there's nothing else on. <laughs> Hence, why the highest ratings of the draft is a rad. Yeah. But I think it was that kind of innovation and thinking with ESPN or the NFL Network, you know, partnering up. Like, how can we make this a little more 
accessible because we're not going to be able to show the guys coming out. We had the intimate access of all these guys with the cameras in their houses, more than I've ever seen you know, sure. people at home get. And I, I just think it was nice to see that level of intimacy. Like we just saw Joe Burrow with his two parents sitting there. I thought that right. was cool. And I think you could do something like that with – you know, maybe on a bigger scale for right. NFL. Yeah, this whole COVID-19 is, is forcing everybody to think out of the box. Uh, you know, businesses, the NFL, Other TV leagues networks. are having yeah. to shorten their seasons, like baseball, yep. if that even still happens. Uh, 60 games, maybe. Like, I think it's going to show a lot of things like, oh, well, if we thought about it like this from the get-go, right. this might be more interesting. Like, things that we hear about in theories, now they actually can put to practice and – See if it actually works or not. Right. Like, yeah, it's forcing them to think in in new ways. Uh, see what works. See what doesn't work. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of good's going to come out of it. I mean, I've been saying for some time. You know, look at how inventive the high schools have been getting because the, the seniors can't uh, have a graduation. So right. what are they doing? You know, they're they're having all sorts of special local parades for the kids. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, they're they're putting all the kids' uh, pictures on on posters and uh, putting them in the yard of at the school. You drive by, you see all these pictures of all the graduating class. My own hometown. I went I went down there recently, and the street lights along Main Street. There was a banner hanging with a kid's name. Mm. You know, as a senior, all down the main street of town. So. You never saw that before. So I think a lot of the innovations that are coming out of the whole COVID-19 thing should stay. I mean, that's a great idea to honor the kids that way. Not just have a graduation ceremony, but get the whole town involved. And uh, and recognize know. these kids for achieving, you know, t- graduating is hard. Yeah. I mean, say what you will. Like, some schools are easier. Not than everybody others. does it. Not everybody can do it. <laughs> so I think like, if I could have had my name hanging from a street light in town, like, how right. cool would that have been? Yeah. Go down and, and get my the picture kid, taken under the parents it. get that when you know when when they take them down they give them to the parents or yeah. whatever so so I yeah like but yeah everybody is thinking differently sports leagues are thinking differently so hopefully uh, there'll be some changes that are going to stick after this and hopefully it'll be for the better but yeah so back to the original uh, whatever the point was originally well it was the NFL Network being removed from well that network. but we also talked about the Hall of Fame game that's what it was the mm. the ceremony okay. like I said. Yeah, I think the NFL, just don't do the fans. It bums me out that I won't be able to go to a Lions game because I love going to Lions games once a year at least. And the Lions looked like they were going to have some good games lined up for this year too that I was excited about. But mm. in the world we live in right now, you know what? I'll take a year off. Like I, We could all probably take a year off. and I, But I would still, It's some part of me wants to still pay something to not justify my ticket, but like to to still give back to my team in that sort of way. They are going to be. Making I know they're millions, going to be making money hands over fist. Millions but and billions in television rights. So as long as they can get these games played and get them on TV, they'll still be making money hand exactly. over fist. Uh, yeah, maybe the city won't. You know, the people coming in, right. and staying in hotels, eating in restaurants. The people who, who the people that work at the stadium. The you know, people vendors. who have those pop up uh, parking areas. That, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, those will the take Chicago a hit. bucket boys. Out on those the street. will take a hit, but yeah, I think, like we said, innovation. That's that's where we should be. Yep. All right, let's move on. Okay, moving on to another story. The Rams and the Chargers are going to appear on HBO's Hard Knocks this season. First time I've ever done two teams at once, and uh, that that show is going to premiere on August 11th. I guess we okay. When They've we been did rumored, the intro, this has been rumored for quite a while. I guess I forgot about that, but I think one. we did talk about that, and that would make some sense because they're two teams in LA. They're both moving into a new stadium. I think it would it would change up, and I think I might have said this now that I I'm saying it out loud, but 
it would change up that format they have of only focusing on one team because one because we've learned the last couple of hard knocks is that you know they're really reaching for some of these stories they're really and, reaching yeah. so i think to to dip your pool hand in the pool of a couple of teams right. or like i suggested i if i remember correctly doing a whole division and switching it up every year being like this year it's the nfc north this because because everybody talks about the oh it's competitively disadvantaged because we're on hard knocks and they can see all our our play or not plays but like there's just too much access that we're giving up mm-hmm. but i think if you do it to a whole division i don't think it's that big a deal yeah. and that that kind of makes sense you know do the nfc north one year nfc south the next year the afc oh south the nfc the south would be fascinating this year oh tom brady drew Brees and all that drama yeah. then on top of it you got the panthers and a new coach you got the falcons and their new uniforms mm-hmm. i think it'd be so much good stuff like yeah. and it's a five-week show so they would be with one team each week and then the last be, week i don't know what i would, would even do, be but. cool with them going every week to a couple different teams like let's get like jump from the the patriots one week to the bengals the next week down to the dolphins and yeah. then over to the raiders like, and then you're not hounding one team for basically their entire training camp yeah so I, I think that would make sense. Okay, uh, another story that came out this week. The monument of Redskins, uh, former Redskins owner George Preston Marshall was removed from outside of RFK Stadium. That's their old stadium, not their yeah. current stadium. But I'm I'm kind of surprised that that hadn't happened years ago. But Is this the first step to the Redskins having their team It probably changed? is. It probably because is. My coworker, who is a hardcore Washington Redskins fan, is adamant that they will not change the name of the team. Well, that, the owner right now, what is it, Dan Snyder? Dan Snyder. You know, he's not about to change it. So I don't know what kind of pressure anybody would have to put on him. It seems like but it's he's getting not going to voluntarily do it. I think this is the sure. closest we've ever been to maybe the Redskins having to change it. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, there was a good argument over the last week on Sports Talk about, like, the Central Michigan Chippewas mm. are allowed to use that name only because they met some. Right, they uh, met with the, the Chippewa Band of Indians and they gave their blessing on it. The same but with, with the Seminoles. The, with so. the caveat of you're not allowed to have like nobody can wear the headdresses, nobody can do the, right. the tomahawk chop. Which right. I I don't know if that that was ever in any of our rundown or if that's coming up about the disbanding of the uh, Florida Gator Chomp. Or, oh yeah, I I did see that last week, but like that's I mean college news is coming up, but uh, you know yeah. that got the boot, and then the, yeah, I never the, knew the history of that. I didn't either, and then I read it because like at first somebody was told, told me they got rid of the Gator Chomp, and I was like, what? Why? Like that seems like such a harmless thing, and then cue the ignorance <laughs> because the moment I started reading the article, I'm like, oh, well if that's the case, sure. yep, get rid of it, yeah. and, that, and that's the the microcosm of why everybody should be looking into well if why does this need to change and when you see it you know at least be like oh yes that is why we're changing this and mm-hmm. it makes sense yeah but uh in terms of this uh preston marshall george preston statue well it, it was a you, plaque you, really you said yeah you said that you read somewhere that it was a statue that's what the, I, the blip said on espn but i saw a picture of it and it was like a bronze plaque hmm. with his face on it that's so weird that was on a, a, a large stone monument kind of thing so wow. it wasn't it wasn't a statue, but it was a monument honoring him or you know uh, uh, highlighting him as right. the former owner of the team. So uh, yeah, that's what's been removed. And uh, the Redskins are also going to be retiring Bobby Mitchell's number forty nine sometime this season. I, I to tell you the truth, I didn't actually read that article. I just read the headline. I, I meant to go back and read it to see if they had a date for that yet. 
so I haven't done that. But, but yeah, they are going to retire his number, and uh, that's kind of long overdue. I mean, Bobby Mitchell has been a, a great player over the years, and mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm I'm totally uh, uh, in favor of that. Uh, another story, and this was kind of a big one. Uh, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott signs the franchise tag contract for thirty-one point four million dollars for the upcoming season, but the team also has until July fifteenth to hammer out a long-term deal with him uh, to stay with the team. So, Oof. yeah, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago, you know, I said, you know, why hasn't he signed? They were offering him, you know, going to make him the highest paid player in the league. Uh, and so here he is now uh, signing a, a one-year contract for $31 million. Right. And, so it's weird. I, I keep hearing he wants a shorter-term contract so that he can go back in negotiations uh, in like two or three years instead of signing a five- or seven-year deal or what have you. So, I don't know how he's playing it. Um, it. It's this is just how quarterback contracts work. You know, you every year there's a new highest paid guy. Like remember when remember when we first started this show and one of the first things we talked about was Matt Stafford <laughs> being the highest paid being the highest player. You know where he NFL. is right now? Hmm. He's number thirteen. Oh really? He is the thirteenth highest paid quarterback. Okay. So that was less than three years. Yeah. So. Yeah, you don't stay the highest paid no, uh, player. You don't so, <laughs> for very long. Kind of like you know, you don't hold the title of the world's oldest person, exactly, oldest living person, very long either. Exactly. So it's hard to say. I mean, get paid, Dak. I think Dak deserves it. Do I think he's the best quarterback? I wouldn't put him in my top ten, but I still think he's an efficient, smart quarterback, good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this is the cycle. He's now it's his turn. It's his turn to get paid and. Uh, we're all just waiting for the day Patrick Mahomes has to get paid because <laughs> that boy deserves whatever money's coming his way. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he, he does have and a then, Super Bowl uh, to his credit. Yep, but Dak then you know who's not. after him? Lamar Jackson's going to come <laughs> after him. So who, this quarterback payment carousel ain't going to stop. Yeah. So we'll see. And there's talks. You know, People are suspecting maybe within the next few years the NFL's going to have to start giving a quarterback cap. And make it separate mm. from their team salaries because it's just going to keep ballooning until it, this whole thing pops. Because how yeah. how like if if everybody's going to keep going higher, eventually we're in the 30s right now. Wait till we're in the 40 million range. Mm. Wait till we're in the 50. Then then that's just taking up half your roster. Yeah. Or, yeah, or the money allotted for your team, unless they keep bumping up the and I don't know how how much they're going to expand the salary cap to. But I think at some point we're going to have to have a quarterback cap. Or like like they do in the NBA where there's a max contract or a super max contract, and that's just what it is. And it's just an even, you know, that's the payment you get for being a top-tier quarterback. You're getting $50 million flat, and we're going no more than that. Mm. Yeah. I, it, it'll be interesting to see. The, the NFL salary cap and the that whole side of the game intrigues me to a point just because of the, the – the salary and the numbers and you know how much you're allotted every year to, to pay guys and how they spread that money out over certain you know periods of time like oh well he signed for 40 million dollars well technically he's getting paid five million this year 15 next year but then right. it's down to you know so like right. this weird number juggling they do yeah it's just a weird interesting fascinating side of the game to me kind of like uh money ball showing how that side of baseball and everything which i find way more interesting than baseball itself <laughs> But it's just, yeah. Okay. But, I mean, it's good for Dak. I, I hope he gets the contract he, he wants. 
Personally, I think I think you would want a longer contract because if you have a couple of bad years, you know, you could hurt yourself over the course of a four-year contract. But but I think it, it's kind of a you're you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think yeah. the shorter contract means you're back on the market again sooner, which means bidding war, which means maybe jacking up the price. I think a longer-term deal means you may or may not getting get an out a few mm-hmm. years in. Like, hey, look, this isn't where. I thought this was going to be like this team isn't taking yeah. care of me like I thought they were going to when I signed this deal. I want to get out. So the, the contracts are weird, and that's what is weirdly fascinating to me, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes down to all this. But we'll see if they get a deal done. I don't, I just don't see a deal happening. I say that and he's going to get it done. I'm also very surprised that he would sign the franchise tag, but. Thirty-one point four million dollars. Nothing to sneeze nothing at. Nothing to sneeze at. Nothing yeah. to sneeze at. And if he, he and if he doesn't right get a deal with the the Cowboys, he can. There he goes. One year you're getting paid thirty agent, mil, yeah. and then next Sky's year. Guy's the limit with with another team. Yeah, we'll find you know. out. Yeah, well, you, you talk about uh, the short term versus long term. Term. I'm re- reminded of when I joined the military. Uh, joined the Air National Guard, and I signed up for four years. And if I had signed up for six years, I would have gotten uh, an extra stripe coming right out of basic training. I mean, they just give that to you as a as an incentive for signing up. And I thought, wow, six years as opposed to four? I don't know if I want that because I didn't know if I was going to like the military. Turns out I stayed for 21 years. But at the time, I thought, well, let me just do my four years and then I'll get out. So maybe that's how some of these players are thinking. Maybe I don't like this team. I just, I'll just i play here for a few years and then we've, maybe things will be greener somewhere else. Who and we've seen how quick things can change. And, and that's just with COVID. But, like, in the NFL, things change rapidly. Yeah. Uh, I think a team, you don't know what's going to happen. You could – a new head coach could come in and be selling you all the right things. But guess what? If he doesn't like McCarthy at the end of this year, like, mm-hmm. oh, he's stuck with him for four or five more years? Like, mm-hmm. uh, so, I don't know. I feel like the NFL should take some notes from the NBA and just – I think player contracts should be a little more flexible. I think they should be a little shorter. Like, guys, test free agent waters a little bit. Like, don't let them get hamstrung. Like, as, as good as, like, a rookie deal is, like, you start off, you get signed for five years on a rookie contract like Dak has been on, mm-hmm. which helps your team out because if you're good, they can pay all the guys around you. But then, again, there's the short side of, well, now I'm not getting paid, even though I'm the one who's performing at a level that probably should be paid more. People are coming to see me. Yeah, so it's it's a weird system the NFL has. A lot of it is more lean towards protecting teams, like the whole franchise tag. But I'm wondering if we do need to, and I know people will be like, well, that doesn't sit right with me because I don't want my quarterback leaving after three years. That's just the nature of the business, and the NFL is a business. And I know, but I do. These I, guys have... This, these guys have uh, health you know their health is on the line for just a game true for our entertainment so i think they got to skew it back a little more and that's just me and my radical thinking but i think they got to skew it a little more to help players out to to get in and out of situations like this because how many times do we find players like Devonte adams i think the the jets corner or defensive back who is on his rookie contract right now but he wants to get traded already or he wants to get paid the big contract even though he's got two years left on his deal I, th- I don't know. There's got to be some workaround where we can start helping these players out. Well, I'm I'm just from the generation that uh, I want to see my players stay with my team. Oh, I mean, if course. they're not performing, sure, we're going to trade them or do whatever. But 
You know, I come from a time watching football in the 70s and 80s where before guy, free agency, guys stayed with that team. You know, once you had your quarterback, and if he was doing good, he was there for the whole time. And, you know, you weren't changing quarterbacks every few years, or your, your whole backfield or your defensive secondary wasn't changing up year to year. Uh, a lot of the players you know, in the old days that you saw going into the Hall of Fame they all played their entire career with one team or maybe two, you know, and I go back to Joe Namath spending the last year or so with, uh, uh, who'd he go with? He went with the uh, 49ers? Oh, Namath? Yeah. Who'd I don't know. We've talked about it before. I can't remember. It was somebody I couldn't believe. It wasn't the Chargers, was it? No. Um, uh, Johnny Unitas went to the Chargers. Oh, okay. And O.J. Right. Simpson spent the last year or so with the, the 49ers. And uh, who the heck did, oh, uh, the Rams. Namath went to the Rams. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. So I mean, so there's there's a little bit of that, and it's just so weird to see that. It is, but I but, think, and, but yeah, I'm just I'm just of that age where I want to see my players stay with my team. Like, don't They're get me my wrong. Players, I'm, I want to. I'm, I'm glad team. that Barry stayed a lion his whole career. I'm mm-hmm. glad Calvin Johnson stayed a lion his whole career. Sure. And knock on wood, I hope Matt Stafford stays a lion his whole career. I, mm-hmm. I would hate to see him go somewhere else. Sure. But you know, at some point, you know. Even though they play for our teams, you got to think like, look, I think Matt Stafford's a good dude, and if he ended up going to a, a different team, you know what? I'd be like, good for you, bud. Like, do what you got to do for you and your family. Like, yeah, I'd be crushed. I'd be crushed too, but <laughs> don't leave Matthew because I love Matthew and he's one of my favorite quarterbacks ever. But mm-hmm. whatever. I, I guess we keep getting set off on, on tangents. We got a lot of yeah. news still left to cover. This yeah. is going to be a short show. Yeah, I didn't think it was <laughs> going to be a half an hour, and already we're at almost forty-five minutes. Um, Locally, uh, the first sports book in our area has opened up at, at Firekeepers Casino in Battle Creek, which is only like less than a 30-minute drive from here. And they just opened that up yesterday. So are you going to be inclined to drive over to the casino and uh, put down a bet on, on the Lions to win the Super Bowl or anything like that? One, that's a terrible <laughs> bet to make right now. Hey, Two, I, still I, have, don't, I don't bet on sports right now. I still I'm have my betting the... slip from the from when oh, I did that yeah. in Vegas back in 94 or 95. I mean, I do got a lot of money saved up right now. I put five bucks on them to win I the Super Bowl. I guess I could put a year. couple grand down. <laughs> you don't want to do that. But, but, I'm just, I, I'm but, more but what way... do you think about the sports betting thing? I wasn't crazy about him opening it up to all the states, um, but you know now there's one right down the road from us. What's there to bet on right now? There's nothing. What, well, you horse can, racing, you golf? Can, well, you can still put a, a, a bet on all the all the Lions games yeah. for this year. I don't feel good about that. But <laughs> I am I would be more inclined to do sports betting, I think, when when I have access on my phone to mm. watch, as I'm watching the game and be like, or maybe like right before the game, what's the spread? Okay, we're playing this. All right, yeah, let me throw like five, 10 or 20 bucks down. And as the game goes along. 20. Well, you know, like, then the game goes along, and, like, they usually have those weird fluctuating uh, bets, I guess, from how I understand it. Like, mm. oh, if you throw in your money now, like, to add to the, you know, the Lions are, like, what? Ne- I, and I don't understand the negative three, all that crap. So I'd be at a disadvantage. <laughs> but I think I'd be more inclined to do it if I had the ease of it on my phone, mm. which is also terrible because that's a slippery slope. Because uh-huh. yeah. the ease of convenience uh, does not help right? Uh, when it comes to saving money because like how many times are you just like you know what i need that i want to get that book on amazon and it's right there at my fingertips mm-hmm. like it's not like you when you go to the store and all you have is a 20 dollar bill in your hand you're like well crap i can't buy that book and th- that bag of candy over there <laughs> like you have to make a decision but with with a virtual wallet or the way everything is now 
couple of taps of the button, like I don't see my physical cash. Mm. You're just like, whatever, I'll worry about it later. That's a problem for future Adam to worry about. Yeah. Well, you've already got your money problems to worry about. So well, wait, money problem. What did I just say? I have I probably shouldn't say that out loud. I have <laughs> thousands of dollars maybe saved up. <laughs> for the first time in your life, probably. Probably. It's taken a long time to crawl out of that debt hole you've been in. Hey, I figured some stuff out. That's the whole point about growing. Took I wish you the, long enough. I wish the Lions could figure that out, too. Maybe if you'd listened Grow to me up. a few years ago. All right, we're going to move on to some college I think I'm news. where I am because of you. What, in the debt hole? In the debt hole, well, yeah. not from buying me Father's Day gifts, that's for sure. Um... Hold on. <laughs> I bought you a fancy Matchbox car, and you eight said you bucks. liked it. That was not $8, good sir. That, that is a customized yeah, banana right. car that you got there. Yeah. That was at least $9. Okay. 20 bucks. actually. I stand corrected. I, it was $20. I'm just going to throw it out there. It was, that wasn't that much. You want, do you want me to show you the receipt? Go moving, ahead and talk. I'm going to pull this Moving on up. to some college football. I am upset news. now that you The University this. of Texas says that 13 football players have tested positive for COVID-19 and that 10 other players are in isolation because of coming in contact with those players. Now, you remember last week we talked about uh, some of the Cowboys and Texans players. Ezekiel Elliott was the only one that was named. Um, all testing positive for coronavirus. So there's a lot going on down there in the state of Texas. But not only in Texas, uh, 28 Clemson players have tested positive for COVID-19, and uh, 30 LSU players are currently being quarantined. So I don't, I don't know if college football is is going to happen this year. I mean, just based on the numbers I'm looking at right now, they they're starting to get these teams back together, or they're bringing the players back onto campus now, and all of a sudden, they're all getting COVID-19. I I am really uh, worried about that. I had a conversation with the brother-in-law today about it because he's a big Michigan fan. And on the sports talk they were talking yesterday, made a good point, and so did Paul Feinbaum from the SEC Network. I can't stand him, but he actually made a good point. This this is no different, or the way the coaches handle this will probably be no different than a guy who gets a concussion or you know dislocated fingers or any sort of injury. like Because if you think... The week before the Michigan-Ohio State game, the Auburn-Alabama game, that if one of the star players comes down with COVID-19, that one of these coaches aren't going to try to cover it up and be like, you tell nobody, and we're going to sweep this under the rug, and you are going to play. We are not going to isolate you for two weeks because we have that big game coming. Yeah. Are you telling me coaches are are going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll just set Johnny right. five-star quarterback before right. the big game. Un- unless the testing is done by an independent Which agency. it isn't, and that's the other rub, too. This is why I, I, what I was telling brother-in-law was I think professional sports are in a better spot to deal with any issue or outbreaks or whatever because they have a more set uh, structure in place with not just the COVID testing, but I think there's also rules and consequences to covering up you know like the injury report or whatever like i feel like they're gonna have to be very like the nfl will have to be very transparent about a lot of it i mean hippo will be involved at some point but we're gonna know because oh why didn't uh drew Brees? i mean he already caught or he didn't it was his coach but like say it's drew Brees. i don't know why i'm picking him but it's like oh where's drew Brees this week well he's got to be one of the guys that got COVID 19 so and you just treat it like an injury. It's going to suck when one of the best players has got to sit out because of an illness, but we had Sam Darnold sit out for like a month last year who had mono. Yeah. So 
I, I, I just don't know. And college is a little more iffy because now you got like UCLA players saying they want a third party to right to yeah. do this because they don't trust the team doctors. Because what are the team doctors supposed to do? They're going to look out for the benefit of the. I pointed at you. <laughs> They're looking out for the benefits of the team. Mm. So that's why they are the team doctors. Well, I think it was more the head coach. And, and, and not, they, well, the head the coach was going to tell the team doctors, hey, if you right. find out, we're sweeping it under the rug. Right. So I feel, yes, they do need some sort of third party, but it's also it's up to the discretion of the universities and the athletic conferences they're in. And it's not a big widespread, hey, we're all following these guidelines. The NCAA mm. has not stepped up to do any of that. They did what President Trump did, which was, um, all you states, just figure it out. And then I'll just make fun of you if I don't agree with you. Like, what? Like, you're the leader. You're the commander in chief. Why, why don't you come down with the regulations and the structure to how everybody should be doing this so everybody's on a level playing field? Instead, we've had outbreaks in various areas because we're all not, we all are doing different things. Michigan has been fortunate. Uh, some states are doing better than some others. Some states and, doing better than others. And I don't others. want this to be a political talk. No, it's but. not. I'm just saying, like, that's just kind of what is happening in the NCAA is they're just kind of letting the quote-unquote states deal with it as they see fit. Right. But, there's, but if you're expecting a team like Notre Dame to go out to California to play USC, well, there's two different styles of how they handle their COVID thing. So I just don't yeah. know. Well, I think then, it is more likely that we get no college football. And another thing is, like the NBA, you know, aren't they going to quarantine all their players and are going to play in one location? Understand. But in college, I mean, you might be able to quarantine your players, but are they going to be going to classes with other people? That's at another argument: is if you're going to have people come back to campus to go to classes, then you're going to have to have sports. Hmm. If you aren't going to have people come to classes, then there shouldn't be sport. Like it kind of works hand in hand there. Like. Hmm. You can't do one and not the other. You can't say, all right, students, you're all going to stay off the campus, but we're still going to make our money by walking out the football team yeah. or, or having these kids risk. That's the bottom line. There's so much money to be made by the uh, NBA, the NFL, the the NCAA Division One, that I think some of these decisions are going to be made with uh, the bottom line yeah. uh, as, that's, the, as that, the first determining factor. That and is that's the cold, wrong. hard fact. That it is, is wrong. At, at this time, at this point in time, wrong. I mean, I don't want to see the NFL season get canceled. I don't want to see college football. I don't want to see the CFL get canceled. But, you know, I, I, I love my football, but I just think that maybe this year we just need to bring a halt to everything because I just maybe. don't see how it's going to work. Maybe. I, I think we'll see. I think the NFL is at least sitting in the best possible position well, they're starting later than anybody else. That's true. So they're starting later, but they're also going to be in the middle of what the people are saying will be the uh, another upswing of COVID in the fall. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. But I think the NFL has at least had more time to prepare and get their everything kind of their ducks in a row before the season starts. We'll see what happens with the uh, NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball. We'll see how they handle it as their season resumes and what kind of numbers they get with athletes, you know, as they're that those shortened seasons progress. So it's just, it's kind of a waiting game. But with college, it's a lot harder because you're already bringing kids back in next month mm-hmm. to campuses. So yeah, it's not that I, I think, off. I think if anything, worst case scenario, there will be no college football. I think there will be NFL football, but with the caveat of there could be a chance of, they might have to cancel a week or two here or there mm. because of something. Maybe right. I'm not saying that that is what will happen, but I, I think it is more plausible 
that the NFL will play with maybe even like, oh, well, we can't play these four weeks now all of a sudden because of this. So it'll be a shortened NFL season at some point. But with the plan of right now of full steam ahead with the actual season, it's like we've said for the last, God, what, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks. Yeah. It's a fluid situation. Yeah. It's going to change. Yep. Could all change by next week. All right, a couple more stories here. The College Football Hall of Fame, which was damaged during some rioting uh, a couple weeks ago, is set to reopen uh, July 1st in Atlanta. Uh, so that's good news. I mean, the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, just reopened uh, a, oh, a, week, weekend. a week ago or so, and uh, I still got to get down there. <laughs> I still, still want to make it no on the trip. Rush. No but, rush. No rush yeah, the public. The, the, the College Football Hall, Hall of Fame received some damage, some broken windows, some looting went on there. But uh, they are set to reopen July 1st. And uh, the last college story that I've got is that the Detroit Football Classic uh, weekend has been canceled. Now, this was a new annual game that they were planning at Ford Field between uh, two historically black colleges and universities. And this was going to be the weekend of September 4th and 5th. That was going to be Tennessee State University versus Southern University. You know, just another casualty of COVID-19. Boy, they've been talking this uh, this Detroit Football classic up for at least a year and a half or more and uh, with selling tickets and and doing doing a great job of advertising with everything going on right now i think that this game actually would have skyrocketed uh in ticket sales and attendance and maybe even viewership on tv i don't Mm. know if it can be broadcast or not but with the black lives matter movement and everything i think that this would be a great big highlight for Mm. um for people and to yeah, get these athletes to out some, there. See some of these teams that you don't normally yeah, see. Yeah, and that too, I think that it, it is sad that they won't be able to get to do this. And I think for yeah. those kids too, how often yeah. are you going to get to go play in an NFL stadium? Yeah. Uh, well, they so, could, unless, I, I mean, you get to the NFL, which, I mean, is a very small percentage of people. We were talking about this earlier. They they had a similar game at Ford Field a few years ago, and I think they, they played it for a couple of years. I know Robert Porsche was big into it, uh, advertising oh. it. And I can't remember what they called it, but, it, again, it was a couple of historically black colleges and universities that came up to Detroit and uh, and had some had some games. Um, so it, it does work, and it works here in Detroit. And at Ford Field, but I'm just sorry to, to say that that is not going to happen this yeah. year. So uh, maybe next year. All right. Um, I just noticed, uh, I think it was today or yesterday, that uh, Arena Football TV on YouTube has finally gotten a game out there of our beloved Grand Rapids Rampage. They just posted a complete game, uh, a 2007 game between the Grand Rapids Rampage and the Utah Blaze. And our quarterback at the time was quarterback Michael Bishop. Yeah. Uh, this was the next to the last season that Grand Rapids actually played before the whole league and everything shut down after the 2008 season. So I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out. Uh, I can't say as I remember that game. And since it was a road, road game, I know we weren't at it. I know, yeah, and it, I don't remember it being a game that was on broadcast television around here. Mm. Uh, so yeah, It probably was. but if, if it was, I mean, I could be mistaken. It's been... 13 years <laughs> but it yeah i'm glad to see that it popped up i was a little surprised to see it was a rampage blaze game because i couldn't i mean a lot of the other games have had some sort of mm. uh significance to it but maybe with michael bishop being involved and he was the right. uh record holder for the single game uh, rushing record r- rushing record in the arena league but it wasn't that particular game no but w- i'm curious to see it as a rampage fan i'm, I'm waiting for the Fingers crossed, Mr. Capper, getting some of those 2001 games back up there so I can relive those glory days. Mm. Maybe not the 
the game against the Storm in Week Five because we lost that game. <laughs> but every any other Rampage game you want to throw up from that well, season? But little by little, they're they're getting uh, oh yeah, and, and all the it, teams out it there. It sounds like yeah, one. they're trying to find games for every team to kind of start getting them represented. Didn't they just put the very first? They put game? the very first game on there. I'm surprised you didn't lead that with yeah, that story. I haven't, I haven't seen that one uh, yet, or I haven't seen it ever. So that would be really, really. So they're cool doing to, a, see, to see a game from 1997. They're doing the Lord's work over there at Arena Football <laughs> TV because there's no football on right now, and I'm missing the Arena League, and they're putting up some games. So if you've never seen them, shoot, pop down. It's, put that on on a Sunday afternoon. If you've never seen it, it's new to you, so yeah. you might as well sit down and check it out. Yep. Okay, we do have a couple of birthdays to talk about today, July 23rd. Running back LaDainian Tomlinson turns 41 years old today. He went to college at TCU, and he was the fifth overall pick in the 2001 NFL Draft by the San Diego Chargers. He played in San Diego from 2001 to 2009. Then he went on to play for the New York Jets from 2010 to 2011, and he had a total of 11 seasons in the NFL, and he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2017. And another birthday today is that of defensive end slash defensive tackle, Dave Butts. What a great football name. He turned 70 years old today. He went to college at Purdue. And like Ladanian, he was the fifth overall pick in the 1973 NFL draft. He was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals and played uh, for the Cardinals for two years in 73 and 74. And then uh, he went to the Washington Redskins where he finished off his career uh, over the next 14 seasons from 75 to 88. Uh, giving him 16 total seasons in the NFL. He won two Super Bowls with Washington. Uh, uh, Super Bowl, what is that? Uh, Super Bowl 17 in 1983 and Super Bowl 22 in 1988. So I'd say he had a pretty good career there with the Redskins. There was a, well, there was a birthday yesterday. I know you don't count those birthdays because it has to be today's birthdays. Sure. Uh, yesterday's was Kurt Warner's birthday. Hmm. Um, okay. You might have mentioned it in the past before if we've done a show on that date, but... I'm very shocked that you forgot a very important Lions birthday today. Uh, Corey Schlesinger? Yes. <laughs> well, I didn't want to just highlight uh, our great Lions players that we've had over the years. but Why yeah. not? It's Corey Schlesinger's birthday. I should have reposted be... the picture that I had taken with Corey yeah, Schlesinger last gone. summer. <laughs> you could have gone that route, but guess what? You didn't. You failed. Hey, the day's podcast. not over with. I can do that after we get Happy birthday, Corey Schlesinger. You're still one of my favorite Lions of all time. <laughs> Uh, thanks for the reminder. Okay, uh, now to some obituaries. We we have six obituaries today. Um, and, man, we're, and we're an hour in and we're just getting to the obituaries. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I have a little correction from last week. Uh, we had a, a, a um, an obituary last week for, uh, I think I called him Murray Oldman, but his name was Murray Olderman. I think oh. I wrote that down incorrectly. So Probably. He was the sports cartoonist. Uh, great work for 60 years, I think. Uh, Very long career. 750 newspapers around the country. Uh, excellent uh, cartoonist and artist. Uh, but his name was Murray Olderman, not Murray Oldman. Okay, let's get into this week's obituaries. And yeah, we're gonna... How many typos you got in this one? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, the first one, Jim Kick who was a running back in the NFL and in the World Football League, has passed away at the age of 73. Kick played college football at Wyoming and was selected in the fifth round of the 1968 NFL Draft by the Miami Dolphins. He played for the Dolphins from 1968 to 1974 and won two Super Bowls with the team, including being on the 1972 undefeated team. In 1974, he and two teammates, halfback Larry Zonka and wide receiver Paul Warfield, signed with the Toronto Northmen of the World Football League. 
The Northman team never played in Canada and was instead moved to Tennessee where they became the Memphis Southmen. Uh, because Kick, Zonka, and Warfield were still under contract to the Dolphins at the time, the three played in Miami during the 1974 season before joining the Southmen in 1975. The WFL folded midway through the 75 season, and after that, Kick signed with the Denver Broncos, where he played in 1976 and part of 1977, before being traded to the Washington Redskins, where he ended his playing career. All right, our next obituary is that of Phil Kruger, who was a college football head coach and an NFL executive and has passed away at the age of 90. Kruger was the head coach at Fresno State from 1964 to 1965, and also at Utah State from 1973 to 1975. He also spent time as an assistant coach at USC from 66 to 1970. Kruger was an assistant coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 1976 to 1980 and was also the team's general manager in 1991. He even spent three years as a consultant to a professional football team in Tokyo, Japan, called the Kajima Deers. I think it's Kajima, but the Kajima right. Deers. <laughs> the next one, and this is a tough one here. Uh, Max Turk, who was an offensive lineman in the NFL, has uh, passed away while hiking in the Cleveland National Forest with his parents at the age of 26. Mm. The cause of death was not immediately known. Turk played college football at USC and was selected in the second round of the 2016 NFL draft by the San Diego Chargers. He played two seasons for San Diego in 2016 and 2017, and he then played for the Arizona Cardinals in 2017. Wow. Our next obituary is that of Bill Groman, a wide receiver in the American Football League for six seasons and won four AFL titles and has passed away at the age of 83. Groman played his college football at Division III's Heidelberg University in Tiffin, Ohio, he signed with the AFL's Houston Oilers in 1960 and played in Houston from 1960 to 1962, winning the first two AFL titles. He played for the Denver Broncos in 1963 and ended his playing career with the Buffalo Bills in 1964 and 1965, where he won two more AFL titles. Injuries cut his pro career short, but he went on to be a player scout for the Atlanta Falcons. Next obituary is that of Pat Stark, a longtime college football assistant coach and later administrator. He's passed away at the age of 90. Stark played quarterback at Syracuse and was selected in the second round of the 1954 NFL Draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, he chose not to play professional football. Instead, he became an assistant coach at Syracuse and was on the Orange coaching staff when the team won a college football national championship in 1959. He also spent time as the offensive coordinator at the University of Rhode Island, Harvard University, and the University of Rochester. He was instrumental in creating the University of Rochester's Athletic Hall of Fame, which inducted its first class in 1992. Stark himself was enshrined in 2000. He also was inducted into the Syracuse Hall of Fame in 1995. And our final obituary today is that of Jerry Sturm, who, has an, who was an offensive lineman in the NFL, AFL, and the CFL, and has passed away at the age of 83. Sturm, play, Sturm played college football at Illinois. He signed with the CFL's Calgary Stampeders in 19, 1959 and played in Calgary in 1959 and 1960. 
He then joined the AFL's Denver Broncos, where he played from 1961 to 1966. Sturm also played for the New Orleans Saints from 1967 to 1970, the Houston Oilers in 1971, and finished his playing career with the Philadelphia Eagles in 1972. My, every week, I think we, you know, we don't have that many obituaries to talk about, and, and every week it seems like uh, the day of our podcast, I run across a couple that I hadn't seen that during the week, so it's really too bad. All right, we're going to move on to this week's two-minute history lesson, and this week we're going to talk about the rivalry between Lehigh and Lafayette. When you think of the college football rivalry with the most games played, you might think of Michigan versus Ohio State, or maybe Harvard-Yale, or even Army-Navy. But the rivalry with the most games played is not one of those three. Harvard and Yale first began playing in 1875, and this is the oldest rivalry in college football. In 2019, the two teams played for the 136th time. Now, you may not be familiar with this next one, but the second oldest rivalry in all of college football is the Lehigh Mountain Hawks versus the Lafayette Leopards. These two football championship subdivision schools from the Patriot League in Pennsylvania began playing nine years after Harvard-Yale. Lehigh and Lafayette first played on October 25, 1884. Lafayette won that first game 50 to nothing, and the two teams have been playing ever since, sometimes twice in the same season, which is why they have played more times than anyone else. On November 22, 2014, the two schools met on the gridiron for the 150th time. The game was played at Yankee Stadium in New York, before a sellout crowd of 48,256. It was also televised nationally on the CBS Sports Network. Lafayette won the game by the score of 27-7. to Last year's game was the 155th in the series, and Lafayette won that game 17-16, to snapping a four-game winning streak by Lehigh. Lafayette currently has a slight edge over Lehigh, with an overall series record of 79 wins, 71 losses, and 5 ties. As far as those other two major college football rivalries are concerned, Army and Navy began playing in 1890, and in 2019 they met for the 120th time. Michigan and Ohio State began playing in 1897, and their 2019th meeting was the 115th in their rivalry. So when someone asks you which rivalry has had the most games played in all of college football, Tell them that that record belongs to a couple of small FCS schools from the state of Pennsylvania called Lehigh and Lafayette. So Michigan and Ohio State don't have the longest rivalry? No. <laughs> no. It's it's one of the better known, of course. Right. It's the game. Harvard-Yale and all that. But yeah, when you talk about, we're just talking about the number of games that have been played. 155 as of last year. Between That's crazy. Schools. That's it just is. crazy pants. Yep. Sure is. And I thought because of our 150th uh, 
show today. That Which we, we just totally glossed over, by the would, way. Yeah, yeah, we have so far. Uh, this is almost three years. We, uh, in fact, in, in our upcoming events, the first thing I got on here is August fourth is going to be our third anniversary show, and that's going to be episode one fifty six. But hitting one fifty is a big milestone uh, for us, and uh, it's been a long time coming. We have not missed a week, uh, you know, even through. <laughs> a, pandemics and and holidays and whatever we've we've kept recording every week so uh, we've learned a lot during all this have I mean, we though well i have doing this history lesson every week i've i've researched some things that i ha- had sort of heard about but i wasn't really familiar with and so it's given me a great opportunity to really delve into some uh, uh historical stories about teams and players and whatnot so I guess this is impromptu, but out of the 150 history lessons you've done, <laughs> what do you think your favorite one is? Oh, man. Uh, the the most surprising one that I had never heard about really was um, uh, the Washington Redskins signed Cal Rossi, or they drafted Cal Rossi twice. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember they, that They one. drafted him one year, uh, but he wasn't eligible because he was only a junior. So they turned around, and, and this was George Preston Marshall, of course. Uh, and the vet, next year, they drafted him again. And... Uh, he had already joined the military, so he wasn't wasn't interested in playing in the NFL back in those days. And so, yeah, they drafted him twice, and he never played. So that that was just a quirky story that uh, really came out of left field, and I thought that was just so interesting that that actually happened. But I mean, there have been so many great uh, history lesson stories that we've done, and and many more to come. Even though I have no idea what I'm going to do next next week, but. We'll come up with something. Hey, I've given you some ideas. We've been talking about the Madden Curse. I think the Madden Curse would be a fun yeah. history discussion or lesson, whatever you want to do. Well, you write that up and we'll talk about it. I have to write it. <laughs> I ain't got time for that. <laughs> All right. The upcoming events calendar, like I said, uh, August 4th is our third anniversary show. Uh, August 6th, the NFL Hall of Fame game in Canton, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Dallas Cowboys. Do you realize that's only 44 days from now? That they're going to be playing the Hall of Fame game? Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if it actually gets played, but that's that's the tentative schedule right now. A lot can happen in 44 days. Who knows? <laughs> a lot can happen in two. Yeah. August Shoot, 8th. Shoot, one day. We saw what happened between yesterday and today. Yeah, really. Uh, August 8th, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2020 will be inducted. Uh, September 10th, the 101st season of uh, <laughs> NFL regular season is supposed to kick off. We'll see if that actually happens. And then September 17th, Pro Football Hall of Fame Centennial Class will be inducted on the 100th anniversary of the founding of the NFL. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what's coming up. We'll see if any of that actually happens. Yeah. Um, hard to say. I mean, we've been saying that week in and week out. We'll see if it happens. We'll yeah. see if it happens. We'll see if it happens. I guess until we get to that point, we're just going to keep trucking along like normal, and we've actually started having discussions on what if, there isn't a season you talked about maybe having a break yeah i mean if there's there's no college football if there's no nfl if there's no cfl this fall we may take a little break from our podcast i i will put put money down and there will not be a break it will i (laughs) i would think that you would lean more into the history well Uh, maybe maybe this maybe this version of the show would just take a break but you would come out every week now with uh randy's history corner Mm. or uh uh, a punt down memory lane. Ooh. Ooh. See, I'm so good at this. Wow. Somebody pay me. I'm writing that down. A he punt, doesn't pay me, everybody. These ideas. Down these ideas. Memory lane. He does this. I'm glad we got this on the 150th episode. <laughs> He's going to look back and be like, man, he had some good ideas. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> he wasn't being a jerk. <laughs> 
All right. Anything else that you've uh, run across on your phone since we've been recording? Uh, other than the, last uh, hour the Lions' new owner, uh, Sheila Sheila Ford Hamp, oh, Sheila. said she would, quote, completely support the Lions potentially signing Colin Kaepernick in free agency. Hmm. So, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have nothing against Kaepernick. Uh, we got a quarterback. Thank you. We do have a quarterback. But I do also think that all these teams that come out and say this are just saying it. Um, yeah, there's a lot to, of because you can't not say it, otherwise of, you look like a bad guy. Right so I don't know. I don't put much stock into that. Would would I take Ka- Kaepernick as a backup? Sure, he's probably better than who we got right now. And if Stafford goes down, I'd rather have somebody who. But I don't think Kaepernick wants to be a backup. I, yeah, I don't think he does either. And uh, not to make this a big Kaepernick discussion, but also I have nothing against him. If you would ask me three or four years ago, I would have said, "Yeah, put him on my team." But I think being out of the league for four years is a long that's, time. That's hurt. And yeah, I don't care if you stay in shape; you're still, you know, you, game you're game still speed's be a real thing. Rusty. Not, I mean, there's a learning curve, yep. and I think he looked decent at his pro day last year. He still had the arm strength and looked like he could still move around. So I'm not saying he's totally incapable, but I do think that not being on an NFL football field for four years could be really hard to come back from I'm not saying it's impossible right. i'm just saying right. it's really hard yeah he's, he's we'll gonna be it. behind the curve for a while do you think somebody gives him a chance i think somebody will i really do i think somebody will sign him it's and, tough because uh, we got him on the market you got cam newton who's still on the market where you haven't talked about him in a long time yeah oh, that's right he hasn't signed with anybody he hasn't has signed he? with anybody so wow. yeah so it could be interesting especially getting closer to the quote-unquote season if it happens yeah quote. so hmm. Well, okay. we'll see. Maybe that'll be the next big development that'll happen as yeah. soon as we turn the microphones off. Yeah, who knows? All right. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. If you learned something about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in a world of football from our podcast here, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. And if anybody would like any more of my great football title ideas or other ideas regarding the game of football, uh, send cash to P.O. Box 124. No, don't do that. Uh, you can also like the World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo, where we post a lot of unique stories and pictures, as well as highlights from all over the world of football. You can also follow our Twitter account. The address there is at TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast, this one you are listening to right now, they're posted every Tuesday and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So please subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you think, and please come be a part of the football conversation. All are welcome. There's been a lot of that conversation this week. I didn't think we'd have that much to talk about on today's show, and man, we're well over an hour. Okay, Uh, remember folks, some people may love football more than we do, but nobody loves more football than we do. Join us again next week when we'll review all the happenings in and around the world of football. Until then, I'm Randy Snow. And I am super excited that Michael Keaton is coming back to play Batman. Here we go again. Hey, it's a big thing. It's a big deal. (laughs) You know it is. You raised me on Michael Keaton, Batman. It's a big deal to me. Yeah, I know. That's my fault. He hasn't been in the cape since I was three years old, dang it. See you next week, folks. Bye, Michael Keaton.